Everyone welcome. I'm here with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of my best friends in the whole wide world because it is the end of the season. Knowles 24-7 Roundtable. Guys, if you're here on YouTube Live, we appreciate it. You get to see all of our beaming faces. Just because they look like they'd literally rather be anywhere else, that's a lie. They want to be here. They're just they're just they're just so focused and ready to give you the content that you need. Check out the comments section. You can actually see everything that we're going to talk about. Fun technical snafu from Knowles 24-7. If you're listening to us in your car, desk, office, jog, if you exercise, good for you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being with us. And we are going to get to a whole host of stuff. Guys, we're joined by the entire Knowles 24-7 staff, as is tradition here on the round table. I've got Adam Brown. I've got Chris Nee. I've got Brendan Sinone. I've got Zach Blostein. I've got Kevin Little. I've got Dane Draper. I've got Brett Nevitt. Some with their real names, some with trolls of random board posters. I don't know whoever's feeling, uh, whoever's feeling snarky. Guys who shouldn't be feeling snarky, Florida State's fan base right now because the boys just came off of a 10-3 and season. They're the kings of the Cheez-It. I don't care about LSU. That fake Cheez-It Bowl, that did not have Prince Chedward. That does not count. That is not in the official record books. Florida State is the cheesiest team in college football. First 10-win season since 2016. And man, ups, downs, and then just stupendous highs. Christney, what is your biggest takeaway from this 2022 campaign? The venerable Christney, you've seen it all, my man. What's your biggest takeaway from this season? Uh, it felt like a pivotal moment to steal a line for my boy Brandon over there. Pivotal. A uh, bit of a turning point for the program, and it also feels like they are slightly ahead of schedule and now pushing all the chips in to do something pretty special in 23. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I'm in a few words because he knows he's going to be talking for the next 90 minutes. Brett Nevitt, apparently uh, king of the palace. That's what the people say. What was your biggest takeaway from from the 2022 season, man? What, what are you going to remember about this season for years to come? I, I think just that the process is working, the process that this coaching staff has taken the last three years and stuck to. Um, and we just saw it throughout the whole year. And then it all culminated, it all culminated in that last game with, all the signs of response to adversity that they showed. Kevin, what about you, man? Obviously, you and Adam and myself, it's just you two guys. I'm the dumb host. You guys watch it from a very technical perspective. We broke down every single second of the film. Kevin, what are you going to take away from the 2022 season? Like, what what did you see? Was it the culmination, like Brett said? Like, the culture is in place. It's working. The climb Trademark copyright register trademark continues. What what are you taking, man? You've been a fan of the team for a long time. Yeah, I think I think that I think they all have points. I think it's a finally you're starting to see the vision of the team. Uh, Mike Norvell has a very specific offense that he wants to run, and I think you started to see that kind of gel kind of come together this season. Um, but really, I think they just patched holes that were in the roster through the transfer portal. Did a good job of building a roster kind of without um the advanced notice of nil you know they were they were a little bit behind on on that as of last season and uh, i thought they did a good job of, of patching holes and you saw kind of how methodical they are putting together a roster and putting it together a game plan and i think it all paid off in a much better season than any of us expected 
I agree. It, it, it is that momentum that that the the good vibes, bro, that we're feeling right now as a Florida State fan base. Dane, you and Zach are talking to the recruits all the time. Can you can you tell like a noticeable difference in the type of the conversations, the tenor, just the feeling surrounding them? Like, does it feel like a different program that you're covering right now? I mean, I haven't covered this for too too long, but like, yeah, there's a lot of consistency with the, what the recruits say about. Florida State and a lot of it is like the culture and how in like the family of the staff and of the team and all this stuff that is like what Mike Norvell preaches and and kind of just I get like you're saying the vibe of how everything's going um you can definitely see some of it in the and how the recruits talk and there's the consistency there Brendan let me direct that question to somebody who hasn't covered the team for 5.4 seconds Brendan do you feel a difference in some of how the program is I mean you're a dirty dirty UCF fan in disguise in garnet and gold I mean how do you feel about Florida State right now I mean you've you've seen the Jimbo years you've seen the highs the lows how do you feel right now is it similar to the good years is it different entirely it definitely feels better than the end of the Jimbo Fisher era uh and probably I mean I started covering the team uh, Let's see. Dane whipped out his bona fides. I started covering the team in 2013, so that was the the best of the best, right? Uh, and this is the best it's felt maybe since that 2013 season, just in terms of there being hope, of there being a vision uh, that people want to be a part of. And we're talking about coaches. Yeah, there's a coaching uh, a coaching opening at defensive backs coach, and there's a lot of people who are interested in that. That wasn't really the case. Last Adam, year. very <laughs> interested. <laughs> that wasn't the case last year uh, when uh, when they were maybe looking at, at shuffling things around on the offensive board. It was a struggle to maybe get an upgrade. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Talk about recruits. Look at the transfer portal, what's happening there. I mean, they have the number four transfer in the class committed to them. They have, I think, three guys within the top 15. They have the number one transfer class currently. Like, and That's a good barometer, Trey, of like, what just happened this season having an immediate impact on on recruiting i think we're going to see 2024 class really uh have some that momentum you mentioned start to show up a little bit for fsu so yeah man, there there's a lot of good vibes right now and it's all across the board and, and i think the biggest point and i'll stop rambling here is that uh coaching staff players administration boosters now collective uh, battles ends doing a phenomenal job like it's all it's all one together. It's one big fist. garnet yeah. fist. That's right. That's You're right. just Fisting. <laughs> very yeah, much I was, so. I was afraid we were going there. Yeah, you did it. Anyway, as far as like a rant, Brendan, that was like a two on your scale. That was very mild. Um, yeah, you're right, man. Transfer portal's going good. I think the o- OVs for transfer portal guys start again tomorrow. So we'll see who else is gonna is gonna join the climb for 2023. You mentioned struggles, and Florida State shouldn't really have any struggles fill in that defensive back coaching position. However, let's take a look back into the Wayback Machine. This is a this is a round table. This is a retrospective. Let's take it back to the beginning, something that you two guys might have had a struggle with. And I'm talking about the inaugural 247 draft team box checkers, team landing stickers. Boys, if Knowles 24-7, if we're not committed to shady usernames on our live, we are committed to accountability. Do you guys have, Kevin, do you have like the graphic of what those originals teams were? Adam, I'm going to let you as our, as our resident analyst and new defensive back uh, hot board specialist, I'm going to let you have a take, have a look at these two teams and see who actually won this draft in the end. 
Kev, do you have that? If not, I can read them off. I'm not sure who Adam is. My name's Chip. Chip West. Thank oh, you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Chip, if you give Chip me a West. second, I'll get it pulled, Syracuse pulled on up. Coach, I'm very interested, very intrigued by what's going on down there in Tallahassee. That's right. That was good. That was very inspiring. You're going to be great in the locker room, Chip. Um, it's really I interesting for, for the position coach to comment on a job publicly. I don't think that really happens. A ton. Hey, that's so just that's what we do now. Okay. This is new age. It's a new Chip style it. of coaching. This is how we handle things these days in the transfer portal. It's transfer well, portal for coaches well. too. Let's go. Chip is very uncouth. I will say just from looking at the list that I have, Chris, you started off at a big disadvantage at quarterback. Team box checkers did have Tate Rodemaker, who we will not take away that Louisville performance from. But Brent, uh, Brendan did have Jordan Travis. Let me just read down the teams for those watching uh, with their ears uh, on, on the bench. Team, team box checkers. That's Chris Dean's team at quarterback. Tate Rotomaker. Running back, Trey Benson. Good pick, big guy. Ontario Wilson. Deuce Span is your two wide receivers. Interesting. Cam McDonald at tight end. Robert Scott, left tackle. Dylan Gibbons, left guard. Center, you had Justin Turnitin. <laughs> no. Oh, this is this is that draft. You guys. <laughs> oh God. Oh, you, you, we have, you have to be the loser just out of principle. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Oh God, I forgot about oh, Brendan's team making me Kristen's sick again. Or Bless Harris. Hold up. Let me get through a big guy. Keep your keep your pants on. <laughs> the flex sorry. is Treshawn Ward. R.I.P. Treshawn Ward in the transfer portal. I was a big supporter of the Ocho. He's going to get a bajillion yards wherever he goes. Defense is where I really start to like Chris's team. Jared Verse, Fabian Lovett, Malcolm <laughs> Ray, Pat Payton. Woof! That is Jeez. quite the defensive line. Tatum Bethune, Amari Gaynor, also in the transfer portal. Happy trails, Amari. Uh, Kevin Knowles at nickel. Akeem mm. Dent at safety. Shaheem Brown at safety. Renardo Green at cornerback. And AZ Thomas at cornerback. That's Chris's team, a formidable defense. Adam, what do you think about Chris's team before I move Chris on to Brendan? freaking dominated. Holy crap. Well, just wait. Outside of this, Jordan Travis and Tate Rotomaker, like this is utter domination. We haven't read the other team yet, man. We've got to do a little bit of <laughs> tease right in the business. I'm, I know, I'm but not everybody's on YouTube, man. People got to go to their cubes and work just like me. All right. So it's on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Brendan's team, Jordan Travis, Lawrence Toafili, looking good so far. Johnny Wilson, woof, looking real good. Malik McLean, White Rector, duh, of <laughs> course. And this is when things get so stupid. At center, Thomas Schrader. At center, Darius Washington. At center, the center, Maury Smith. At right center, Bryson Estes. At right, right center, Julian Armella. Flex Micah Pittman. Your offense makes me sick, Brendan. What? And that sucks because you had really good skill positions. Just wait. Let's get to your defense. Defensive end, Dennis Briggs, Robert Cooper, Jarrett Jackson, oh. RIP, see you later, Derek McClendon, Kalen Deloach, DJ Lundy, good linebackers, Lundy was a good pick, Jerry and Jones, your guy, uh, at the nickel, Jarquez McClellan, he of the Cheez-It Bowl, Jamie Robinson, love you Jamie, kill it in the league, Omarion Duke Cooper, and then Greedy Vance. All right, I think Adam, you've made your opinions known, but you think that this was a, this was a pretty solid beatdown, right? Yeah, it's pretty obvious. I mean, Johnny Wilson to Pokey, I don't, I mean, Pokey had a pretty good year for them. But yeah, I mean, obviously you take Johnny there, you take uh, Jamie Robinson over whoever Chris had. Um, I mean, did Brendan even field an offensive line starter? Dude, uh, I, guess, I guess Darius, I guess Darius and uh, Mo, but Darius was kind of in and out of the lineup. Um, the Wyatt Rector, 
I mean, I guess if this was a special teams category. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, he wanted Jordan Travis and Johnny Wilson. And that was about it. So, Zach, what do you think? Yeesh. You and Brendan are bros of the highest caliber waving at each other crap in Camping World Stadium. Zach, crap on him. No, Zach, do what you want. You're your own man. What yeah, do you I think? Mean, I think this comes down to the trenches, man. I mean, look at the O-line and D-line that, that Chris has um, compared to Brendan's, right? Um, I mean, he's got, just got beats. He's got Jared Verse and Fabian Lovin on the D-line, and then he's got the entire uh, game one starting offensive line, I believe, aside from Marie Smith. I mean, that's that's a fairly cogent argument. Dane, did to the contrary, do you oh, have something else to say? Of course. Show that chest lettuce. Let's get going, buddy. <laughs> so, way too much enthusiasm. Jordan Travis has made it work in the past without an offensive line like at all. So I feel like that isn't the best argument out there. You have like Johnny. Yeah, what about the defensive line? <laughs> I mean, Chris basically had every starter outside of like three. Uh, I don't. I'm not even sure there's there's a debate here. I, All I, right. I like that the argument is I mean, that oh Brendan didn't win every position other than the most important one on the field. Like that doesn't mean anything. Brendan, okay, this draft happened like four months ago. We don't have to argue it anymore. We're gonna let our hands do the talking. For every in, in the comments too, please think who you won. Everybody here on this live stream, if you think Brendan's team won, raise your hand. That you includes you, Brendan. You can root for your own team. <laughs> oh, a lonely I, one. Uh, all for Team Chris Knee. Raise your hands. Oh, you guys are idiots. Bam. The, the only Oof. thing I'm worried about. <laughs> and I can't wait to coach Jerry and Jones. He doesn't even have anyone to snap him the ball. Is that not important to you guys? Oh, God, we're doing this again. Go ahead, Kevin. What, what was your trepidation of this? You're I, just being nice because you're a nice guy. <laughs> I think you could... I think he could take advantage a little bit of of the the linebacking core on on Chris Knee's team. I kind of I, I like these three better, to be honest. Um, I, I, I'm going to tell you, Chris Knee's linebackers are going to be playing pretty clean behind that defensive line. I don't yeah, think that's that's that the much. thing. All right, well, and the cornerbacks are better. So. That well, looking back, that draft kind of looked like a disaster, and that's it's kind of funny because as we look back throughout the season. We're doing a retrospective, right? However, usually I find with these retrospectives, they're very um, focused on the end. Like the last game, the last couple games, obviously there's recency bias. But throughout a season, especially one like this one, there were like some ups and downs. And at the time when you're going through them, you obviously think it's either the best thing in the world when something good happens or the worst thing in the world, it's a disaster. And then at the end of the year, you realize, um, uh, why did I lose sleep? Why did I put a hole in my drywall? That didn't matter at all. Christney, what was a moment throughout the season, whether it was big or small, felt like a triumph or a disaster at the time? Take yourself back at the time that ultimately didn't really matter at all when it was all uh, said and done. Didn't matter at all? Yeah, something. But you, when you were going through it, you were going through it real heavy. I don't know. I'm struggling with that question, to be perfectly honest. I'm think about it. We'll get back. We'll get back. Yeah. Zach, Zach, you, you think on that one, big guy. You're very, you're very contemplative. Zach, what are you thinking? Sorry, Brennan. Um, well, are we saying that it doesn't matter at all, or is just smaller than than the? It's much smaller than it felt. Obviously, yeah. everything matters. How you do everything is moment, everything. Realizing retrospect, it didn't matter. I Big think, picture, right? Yeah, I think one is the first half of the Louisville game. All those injuries, right? I mean, I I, I thought worst case scenario. I remember in the group chat, um, I was like, I, I mean, Brennan was getting pissed. I was like. Like this is it, Jordan's out. <laughs> like this is the, the doom, this the doomsday scenario. Um, 
obviously Jordan, you know, doesn't even miss a game after that. Um, and then they, the rest of those guys that got injured in that game, um, I believe all, all those guys came back because Favo got injured in the LSU game. So, um, yeah, that felt that felt like a disaster, but it was a lot smaller, I think, um, as the season went on. I've got one, bless Harris. And it's weird because going into the season, didn't really expect him to be the starter till very close to the season. He becomes a starter, gets hurt. You start thinking, oh, this O-line's going to fall off a cliff. In reality, you got pretty consistent starting five throughout the year with Jazz being your swing guy. And Jazz turned into a reliable swing guy in that regard. So they were able to weather that storm more than maybe I thought they were in the moment. What about you, Brennan? You look pretty. You look pretty eager to say something. What, what were you thinking, man? I was going to tease Chris for not having an answer to the question ready. After eh, I yeah. missed your shot there. But, <laughs> yeah, I did. Thanks, guys. Uh, I think the middle eight against Clemson felt pretty disastrous in that moment, and and it led to third loss in a row. And uh, you start kind of wondering not if the team's going to fall apart because they've proven you know that oh time and time again that they. They aren't going to fall apart, uh, but more so at that point, like just what the ceiling was for this year's team. Uh, so I remember feeling pretty, pretty frustrated in that moment. With and that was coming against Clemson, that was coming off of the NC State game, which was another moment that was particularly low. Uh, but this team was resilient and it rallied. And I don't think I picked them to lose any games the remainder of the season on the week to week basis. But when you're looking at five games remaining, uh, you think there might be one or two losses in there. Uh, so, yeah, the, that Clemson game and just how bad you looked in that stretch uh, was really disheartening, felt pretty pretty significant at the time. Uh, lo and behold, it, it really didn't have any lingering effect the rest of the season. If anything, uh, you learned some things about yourself and built off of it as the year went on. Absolutely, man. Shook it off and ripped off six in a row. V- very impressive. Brett, what about you, man? Moments that at the time either crushed you or were extremely triumphant at the end of the season. It was like, yeah, it was just a blip. Yeah, well, my answer was the Louisville game, like Zach said, but I guess to add on to Chris a little bit, when Lyles went down, just I don't think many people would have thought Maurice would play all 12 games, start at 12 games, and, and be as good as he was. So maybe when Lyles goes down, they don't have the depth at center, but Maurice was able to pull through for them the whole year. That's a good That's a good point, because it was looking very dire, that, that position, because behind Maurice that was just and all those injuries like really stacked up so I think that there was kind of like some DEFCON people were people were holding the Rosa reeds looking at 53's legs hoping he didn't get like like rolled up on or anything like that anybody have answers besides the ones that were mentioned I'm gonna go first with Dane because I talk to you all the time Adam I just are you Chip West I've actually I've never spoken to you Chip West Dane go ahead I think within Brendan's answer of like that that three game losing stretch I think the back after the NC State game and like how Florida State just really fell apart and how a lot of people, a lot of people really panicked about that, thinking this team can't finish. And, <laughs> you know, um, and then toward the back half of the year, they finished 6-0 and with with a great second half performance against Florida and Oklahoma to, to close those games. And I think that kind of that narrative is quieter now for sure. That's a good point, man. I was worried about kind of like the lack of offensive creativity at the end of that NC State game. I really just was not enthralled with what they were doing. I thought it was starting to get predictable. I even asked, like, are we starting to become an easy scout on offense? And then the Clemson game blew all that up with just how multiple they were and all the different things they were able to accomplish. Um, and that carried on throughout the rest of the season, so I think that's a really good answer. Uh, Adam, what about you, man? What, what do you think? 
the pitch on the goal line from the one yard line against LSU. Ah, good callback. Don't get so good cute with back. it, boys. Good callback, man. Oh, it did. That is funny because at the even that was even being discussed really heavily after that after that win, that huge win against LSU. Uh, and we saw we saw some uh, we saw some pitches on the goal line. We saw Wildcat on the goal line. It, unfortunately, Florida State much better along the offensive line. Still has trouble getting those like one or two yards when they really need it. But yeah, Adam, great call. And it was it was something that didn't really um that didn't really phase the coaching staff. It was that they continued to be creative throughout the whole year because they had to. Mine, the moment that at the time I felt was. I felt was it was so irrelevant. We were even questioning if the kid was a take or not. That was the Jazz turn team take. He was like, if there was a Mister Irrelevant in college football, which is the last pick of the NFL draft, he was the last scholarship given. And there was a pretty hearty debate if they should even use it on him or give it to a walk on kid. And that kid, I'm not going to say he saved your season, but man, you want to talk about absolutely just reliable depth when they were getting crushed to tackle. That moment that, like we said, we debated if it even should have happened or not, that ended up being very, very monumental, very foundational for their success, kind of kept them afloat. So, I mean, that leads to another point. Uh, go ahead. Trey, Trey Benson was a pretty hot take. Ooh, when he came spicy. Into the portal. Did, do, do we think as a, as a unit that was a good take? Or? <laughs> yes, that's probably okay. Probably works okay, out I, right. just, I just wanted to gauge. Zach is still still needs to see so a little bit more. Didn't yeah. quite get those thousand yards. Off this year. <laughs> oh God, yeah, the conversation. It is funny. Like these retrospectives are fun if you go all the way back and look at what people were really saying at the time. Then it can get really fun. But we'll look at our own wind chairs and laugh at ourselves because we were a bunch of negative Nancys on this podcast. All right, let's take a look at. Oh yeah, dude. And then the the Ryan Fitzgerald thing. Good call, Carol. I said that he was unplayable after after some of that stuff. I said it was done. And what does that kid do? Just goes out and wins himself. Gosh darn cheese it bowl. Just leg of steel. Bam. Just the, the resurrection of Cotton Fitzsimmons. My fate one of my favorite storylines the entire year. I love it. good call, Carol. You're a great commenter, you nice lady. All right, let's get to superlatives. Everybody's favorite thing about retrospective podcast superlatives. Zach Blaustein. What was your favorite play the entire season, my man? It's easy for me. Jamie throwing down Jacuri Brown in the Miami oh. game near the goal line. I mean, is there any is there any but I if yeah. you could beat that, go ahead. White Rector I, threw a touchdown and a two-point oh conversion. God, you're oh such a God. shill. You're such a shill. You're such a shill. Zach, that's one of the ones on the Florida State-Miami highlight reel. Forever. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I think just with the absolute disdain that was irradiating off Jamie, that's one that's going to be in the highlight reel for the entirety of the rivalry, right? Yeah. I mean, he just walks off right after business <laughs> finished and – I don't know. It was a it, it was a great moment, I'm sure for for all FSU fans. Just you know, obviously FSU was already dominating at that point, but um, they were drive. Miami was driving for the first time in that game, all the way near the goal line, um, and it just kind of sent a message, I think. And obviously, like you said, it's going to be used um, in highlight clips forever in the in this rivalry. 
Brendan, was that your real answer? By the way, you're allowed to have it if no. it was. But any, no, anything, I, I, so it can be. There's there's no answer shaming here on this uh, round table. For me personally, maybe, but in the grand scope of of FSU football, I think Zach's answer is probably the one. But I would counter it uh, as a pretty close second was the Jordan Travis scramble against Florida, uh, and and maybe not in the history of that rivalry. Uh, the uh, yeah, I was say the one that almost scored, but there was a couple of them. The one where he had to loop around and uh, and and slid right before it was pretty amazing. But there, yeah, there's like two or three, right? And those will go down for him if he ends up becoming like, yeah, you know, the fourth best quarterback in FSU history. Or, or you know, I mean, if we let ourselves get ahead, like actually contends for something postseason award wise, that's significant. That'll be a clip that is that is shown. Uh, multiple clips from that game will be shown what he did to put his team on 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 his back in that rivalry game. Some so, good. Su- oh, go go ahead. I'm going to let Chris go first. first. The two they mentioned were first that came to my mind, and then Shaheen's block, just oh, because yeah. that was a tone setter for the whole season. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say this the, uh, past the Shaheen block. I thought the second most important play of the season was Tate to Johnny against Yes, Louisville. that that's right up there too. Yeah. And over Jarvis Brownlee. You stole my answer, AB. Oh, I had to do it. I, I was just getting my Tate Heisman picture ready. <laughs> hey, listen, we, were, we were getting ready. We were we were doing a little advanced scouting up here at Syracuse. We were, you know, we were doing what we needed to do to get ready for, for a Florida State game in a few weeks. And just uh that 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 throw really jumped out. Uh, Kevin, you come up with another Tate play in the meantime. Brett, what about you, man? Like what, what did you what did you think? I mean, you were I mean, do you you're you're a student at Florida State, right? Or just recently won? Uh, recently won? Just recently yes. won? Thank you. So you're in, you're in the thick of it, man. You're in the you're in the hysteria. What what really stood out to you? What was your favorite play of the season, big guy? Yeah, mine was the Johnny catch too over Jarvis. That was going to be mine. <sighs> Dane, what do you got, buddy? It's just a love fest here. I love these retrospectives. <laughs> I think um, so. I was at the LSU game, like as a fan. And I think, I mean, that doesn't matter too much. I think it, I, it, I think of it more because I was so excited watching it and everything. But, um, but the the pokey catch, the one handed oh. with Jordan getting, you know, was killed by Ali Gay, and like that moment was kind of just the first. That was to go up by two scores in that game that you weren't really supposed to win, and that was just like, oh, we might be like kind of badass, you know. And that was. <laughs> And we were. You're so right. We were badass. That was really fun. Uh, that was a great, great call, Dan. Great call. Any other fun um, worst play of the season for anybody? Anybody want to talk about any bad plays, or we just want to throw that out? Master Mato's punt, oh, yeah. lack of punt against the State. One? No, the Master Mato one was worse. Yeah. The, last play, the last play of the NC State game because it culminated a whole 60 minutes being pretty pissed off. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. like I've the got... fourth game in a row where you gave up a touchdown on the opening, uh, the opening drive of the second half. To me, somebody mentioned the opening um, kickoff return touchdown against Boston College on the YouTube, and I thought that was a great one. That might have been like one of the most fun Doke was the entire season because that was the sellout. That was the night game. That was mm-hmm. where everybody was riding the high. That was a fun. That's a low key fun pick. I like that, Kevin. Favorite game of the season? What was your favorite game of the season? Is it going to be Louisville? I think everybody in the chat <laughs> thinks it's going to be Louisville. Are you going to prove us wrong, big guy? Uh, I did enjoy Louisville. Um, I mean, it's got to be Florida, right? Florida was, I think, 
Uh, or Miami. Now I'm going to change it's, it to Miami. Miami's oh, you, mine. You, I really you, don't care much for the team down south. Um, for our viewers and listeners, Kevin is objective. He's calm. He's cool-headed. He's analytical. But for some reason, my guy despises Miami, and it warms my heart because he's just like one of us. I love that. So Miami's your pick, Kevin? Yeah. Adam, what about you? Oh, the Tate Heisman picture. You guys really get get on that Knowles 24-7 YouTube. It gets Chris every single time he sees it. Get, hit that subscribe button and watch us. We're having a lot of fun. Adam, what about you? What was your favorite yeah. game of the season? I will say another thing, too. Florida State under Mike Norvell is one of the most entertaining teams in college football. Now, some of these games we wish wouldn't be as close as they are, but Florida State was in legitimately like three or four of the most fun to watch college football games of the year, maybe as like a neutral observer. I know I'm in Iowa and I'm full of them. What about you, Adam? What was your favorite game of the season? Yeah, I, I, my favorite game was the bowl game, getting the 10th win, just because it was such, it was such a back-and-forth battle. Like It was a really, really good football game. My favorite outcome, though, and what I think my answer will be is Miami because just dumping all over Mario Cristobal <laughs> was so epic and amazing. <laughs> dumping all over. I was slightly giddy during the Miami game, so don't yeah, confirm. I'm... But for me, it's the LSU game because it felt like a like they're ready to do something they haven't done in a long time, and the fan base certainly felt that way. The energy in New Orleans was awesome, and it carried through the game, carried through the end of the game carried through the post game and I'm talking outside the stadium. Uh, so that for me was kind of like just a cool moment because it again, set the table for what year became, which was pretty enjoyable. hundred percent. Brendan, what was your favorite moment covering the team oh. this year? Covering the team. Covering so obviously a little bit more, a little bit more of a selfish perspective. I know you rarely like to get in your own head and are very rarely <laughs> concerned about your own thoughts and ambitions. But, Brendan, what was your favorite moment covering the team personally? Uh, probably this past past game, season finale against Oklahoma. Because I was able to go as a fan. Dane alluded to. He got to go. I know Zach's been able to go. Uh, sometimes this profession zaps that out of you to where you're not able to uh, see the game from that vantage point and and so that was fun even though I tried to be somewhat objective in in the stands um I found myself cheering and enjoying and uh, getting emotionally involved and I was able to bring my dad too and that was a lot of fun we haven't been able to go to a sporting event together in probably 10-15 years and that was a lot big part of my childhood my dad's not an FSU fan he does like FSU but he doesn't have like a, a huge rooting allegiance to any college football team more of an NFL guy. And by the end of the guy, game, he was doing the tomahawk chop, so that was really cool too. So th that was that was a lot of fun. Check out Brendan's article on twenty four seven recounting that experience because it is we get lost in it. I think it's it's part of our job, the minutia, the day to day scoop. We want to just just dump scoop all over you all the time. It is fun to really just just to write about what this sport's all about. And Brendan's experience with his dad as a fan. As a guy who didn't really care that much and was chopping his face off at the end, that's what it's all about, man. That's why we all fall in love with the sport because we all are fans. We're not. This isn't the New York Times. Like we're we're the best journalism site on the entire beat, but like we're not we're not on CNN. We're not going to Fallujah anytime soon. We're fans of the football team we're covering, right? So it's fun to just capture that fan essence every now and then. Zach, what about you? You got to be in the stands as a fan that bowl game. Was that your favorite moment covering the team, or maybe some of the big news you got to drop? Recruiting scoop. What are you thinking? I yeah, I, I thought Brendan was going to say this. That first week of the portal opening, um, that might have been some of the most fun I've had. You know, craziness, but just fun um, doing this job since I've started doing it. Um, it was just so much news, and Brendan and I, and Chris, and Dane, and everyone 
Um, we're we're kind of just, you know, firing off and, and we're just firing on all, on all cylinders during that week. So that was really fun. As far as a game, I think the UF game, um, I don't know. It was just – I got to go as a fan for that one. That was my last game in Doak as a student. Um, so it meant a lot, obviously, and obviously the result was was crazy. The game was crazy back and forth all the way until the end and then um, was out there doing interviews until like 1 a.m. that night when all the guys were leaving. So um, just just an overall like super memorable experience. But, yeah, as far as like straight coverage, I think that week of that portal opening early December, um, that was super fun. This is going to be a test to see just how fun Florida State's football season was. Brett Nevitt was your favorite moment at Knowles 24-7, covering something from the football team or the baseball team? Did something from football overtake baseball in your I mean, black hasn't, heart? Hasn't been a ton of fun at baseball the last three years. So The link hiring, that might have been fun to cover that. This was probably the most enjoyable season yet that I've got to cover, so um, between baseball and football. Um, so I think for, there were two moments for me. One was being down on the field for the Florida game and just – being in the craziness of all that and trying to capture some photos and videos. It was, that was just some wild times. I don't even really don't remember what happened, but I have pictures and videos from it. But um, the second one was just the post game after the bowl game. Um, You know, we interact with Mike a lot more than other people. And I remember from the last couple of years, there were a lot of games he'd walk into post game and just seem exhausted, not like defeated, but you could just tell how much he cared about his team and his players and then in that post game the other day, it just seemed like he was relieved and that he could finally see that this was working and he was doing it right on the right track. And I wrote about it, how happy he looked. He seemed so giddy and we don't usually see him that happy. I mean, he was smiling, joking with the players. I think it, it was just good to see him kind of take a step back and, and really enjoy that moment. And that was another, once again, that's all we do is just crank out fantastic articles, except for me. I can't read or write. Um, that was good, Brett, and it's right because Mike Norvell, you want to talk about a guy just a ball of energy, tightly wound, always working, always climbing. It is fun to kind of see some of that just, I did it. Now, I'm not there. You're not, you're not at the mountaintop. The climb always continues, but it was nice to just kind of see him get to soak it in a little bit, man. It's been a long time for fans of this program, and it was just nice to, it's just nice to get to see everybody kind of revel in all the hard work that they put in. Dane, what was your favorite moment from like a coaching perspective from the year? What was your favorite coaching moment from Florida State this year? Brendan liked to call this his pencil whip of the year. So it could be something that they did, some some team that they embarrassed from the coaching side of thing. You and I did the wildly popular 24-7 shoot-off Noel thy enemy. So we were looking at coaches all year. What about something that our guys did good? Yeah, I think um, when I think about just like uh, – I guess the coaching performance, I feel like I, I think of LSU first, like it mm-hmm. felt like a game you went in with a talent disadvantage and you just like outplayed them just kind of all the way through. It felt like, um, but off the field or uh, not like an X's and O's standpoint, I think that moment with Duspan and Miami, I think that's good call in mind. That's a really good call. Um, God, there were so many, so many moments like that throughout the season. The deuce span thing, which they like said, coaching moment of the year, that is coaching. Like relating to that young man in that moment and just the masterful way with which he calmed him down while also instructing. That was great stuff. 
the Jazz Turnitin thing, that's not really a coaching moment. That's a culture moment of the year. I've been watching college football my whole life. I cannot remember the last time I saw something like that. It was very impressive. Brendan, what about you? You're you're with us. You're one of the analytical guys. What what did you think? Coaching moment of the year for you. What really impressed you from the staff? You know what was really impressive that I don't it didn't lead to a win that game, but it was a, a tone setter for the rest of the season. Chris is shaking his Clemson. head like he knows when damn it. Clemson. It was. I mean it, it's Thank a great you. answer. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, right. you're good. You're good. But you're right. My, I, I've had someone describe it to me as, as thank you. As Mike Norvell learned some things about this team through that losing experience. A lot of that was how they ran the football and they changed the way they ran the football in that game. I uh, saw a lot of the two tight end set uh, really tight and start doing the outside zone with Trey Benson. And I think Mike realized, oh, we can lean on people a little bit with this offensive line. Maybe not all the time, but like we don't have to always get cute. And, and I think there was a level of maturity that the team had and that the coach had uh, in that moment. And as far as like X's and O's and scheme, like it, it's pretty simplistic, but like they realized they could sometimes run right at a decent defense. And that was another step forward for this program. It's one that I think that it's going to serve really well in 2023. And there was a level of like, relief that almost came with that for the offensive coaching staff so uh yeah that clemson game to me what was a was a turning point for not just this season but but i think the program under mike norvell chris it's brendan blatantly stole your answer did he do a good job is there anything you'd like to add to that no he did a very good job and i agree with most of the answers i for me it's the totality of the season of the culture and where it is and where this program is the way guys handle themselves, the way guys conduct themselves, the way guys care about one another. The best football teams are player-led, and FSU has gotten to that point because of the guidance of the coaching staff, and it's just super refreshing to see. And I think there will be a great carryover effect with that. I think it's it's been enjoyable to see guys like – not to see them depart, but Trayshawn Ward or Murray Gaynor, some of the other guys that when they hit the portal, there's a great deal of appreciation expressed by all parties, coaches, fellow teammates, the guys that are leaving for what they had here. I just think it speaks to the program. And that that's that's something that there's an everyday investment into. And it's not just during the months of the season. It's 12 months a year, all year, year over year, constantly. And it's taken hold here. It's It's been enjoyable to watch. That's a good point, man. Coaching, particularly college football coaching, is 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So I think that that's a really good point. It's a coin flip of who I'm going to ask this next coaching question to. This is going to go to Kevin because the question after that, I think, totally fits my other friend, Adam Brown. Kevin, what about you? Coaching moment of the year, something that the boys did at FSU and the polos, and you're like, hey, looking good. Oh, gray hoodies. Excuse me. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, – this is this is going to sound uh, like I'm – trying to compliment Tate Runemaker, but I actually think this is an insult. I think the second half of Louisville offensively, the way that they took a kid that was shell-shocked, that threw one of the worst interceptions that we've ever seen um, and yeah, <laughs> created a second-half game plan to get him comfortable and allow him to make plays, put him in his comfort zone, which is dramatically different from the offense that they called under, under Jordan Travis. I mean, they probably called as many of those glance RPOs for for Tate in that second half as they did for Jordan Travis for the rest of the season, taking deep shots downfield, these long developing play actions with max protection. That's not something you see that often with Jordan Travis. And it, 
it was something they did with um, Tate Rotomaker, and it's rare that you see an offensive coach that's so willing to change his offense so quickly with a different quarterback to get him comfortable and ultimately win that game. So I think that's, I think that's kind of from a schematic perspective, my most impressed I was uh, from, from this coaching staff. And people don't remember it. Florida State's offense was a little bit bogged down in that first half against Louisville. Um, obviously, Jordan, Tra- Jordan Travis is the highest-grade quarterback in PFF this year out of the entire country. It would have been better with Jordan there, but I think the the juxtaposition, that quick change, I really think it screwed up Scott Satterfield to the point where he just said, I'm done with this place. I'm going to Cincinnati. Like I really I really do think the, the, the quickness with which they changed was it, it ended up helping them out in that game. And you're right, Kevin. I think that's a good choice. Adam, this one's for you, my friend. Just a ball of sunshine and joy. What was the most frustrated you were at any point during this season? Oh, shit. Um... Exactly. <laughs> that's why I picked you. You did not Every... disappoint. <laughs> He said, every, oh, chip. Every time I watch chip. every time I watch the D-backs play. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, Kevin Knowles, I, I don't I never want to make it seem like I because I think he fought an injury. Brendan has discussed that some that he fought an injury this year. Like watching Kevin Knowles just struggle through games was really hard to watch. Um it was it was it was very difficult. And then obviously there's a whole hell of a lot of conversation about the defense now my most frustrating really most frustrated i was in a game uh, was probably this bowl game really i mean the first half of this bowl game the offense was just really out of sync they they, they look like a mess um brendan brendan can attest to the text messages i was firing off between between some of us uh, i was not very very happy of course i was stuck at a family dinner also trying to watch football and i hate watching football with people so it was, oh, yeah, it was not a good first half of that game for me I don't I don't do that, man. I lock myself in a cave yeah. and I try to stay away from people. Zach, I, I, I shudder to believe somebody with just as chill and as cool glasses such as yours ever gets frustrated or angry. But was there a point where you were frustrated and angry with those really cool, chill John Lennon sunglasses? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, first half of Wake or middle eight of Clemson. Um, you got to pick. No, yeah. you got to pick um, now. You pick I'll, here on this show. I'll say I'll say middle eight of Clemson because it really felt like FSU was hopeless in that moment. Um, did not felt like feel like they were competitive at all, at least in the weight game. Um, you know, they 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 had that entire second half of kind of um, coming back. But yeah, I mean, you start the the second half of the Clemson game not well, um, and you kind of they try to fight back in the fourth quarter. Um, I yeah, I didn't have a lot of hope. Um, you know, I did not. I think we we had a, a midseason roundtable after the Clemson game, and I predicted them to go three and two the rest of the way. Um, you know, not with the bowl game included, obviously. So I was not. I obviously I was not confident um, in their play after that game, and yeah, I guess that was the the, the most. Um, I don't know what, what exactly you said, but the the most frustrating. Yeah, most frustrated I was at, a, at any point in the season. Anybody else? Anybody else just had some frustrations they had to. I vent? mentioned it earlier. NC State. I was I was pissed off, and I think everybody was. Norvell was pissed in that post game. I heard that locker right. room was uh, about as you know bloody awful as it gets during the season. Not in a bad way, but they just all were unhappy and drops, penalties, first defensive series of the second half where they got run right through. Uh, it just 
it's starting watching a guy who couldn't throw a damn football basically hold FSU off down the stretch in that game. Everything about that game drove me nuts. It still ticks me off now, months later. And it's a game, I think, when I reflect on this season down the road, and people have asked me, like, the good moments and plenty of those, what moment ticked you off, it will probably be NC State because out of the three losses, it's one I felt like FSU most let get away from them. That loss is going to stay with you longer than you got that Christmas tree up, my friend. And uh, that's something. That's something. Oh, who knows? Uh, we don't know yet. All right, perfect. Um, let's get to the awards. I think what we're going to do. Some of these are extremely obvious. Let's just talk about it. We might just have like a vote. We'll have a discussion and maybe just like a little little vote. Let's give these guys their flowers, as they say on the streets. Team MVP. Everybody, just say it at once. Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. Yeah, okay, thank you. Great job. Also, yeah, you guys um, are wonderful at following yeah. direction. Um, anybody else dissenting opinions? I thought that that was pretty unanimous. You guys kind of held back on me. I mean, maybe you love it. <laughs> you're, uh, but there's other awards, Kevin. Just, okay. I mean, you're just okay. one in three without them. So, like, yeah, but he yeah. only played half. You're seven and oh, it's valuable. <laughs> no. That's good. That's good. Let's, let's wait till we get to some of the other awards. But okay. yes, Jordan Travis. PFF, and it was funny because we had like a Knowles 24-7 court. Is Jordan Travis a top 25 quarterback in the country? A lot of people, we ended up saying yes. A lot of people were kind of mad at that. Oops. <laughs> you were wrong. He could, <laughs> like, legitimate Heisman candidate next year. Sorry, guys. Um, they know what they're talking about. I don't. White Rector MVP says Sam Knight 3. I know Brendan agrees. Offensive MVP uh, besides Jordan Travis, who is your offensive MVP of the season? Uh, it's got to either be Trey Benson or Johnny Wilson, right? Ah, uh, it depends. What, you, what do you guys think? Dimitri um, Emanuel. Adam would Johnny say Wilson. an offensive line. <laughs> I think Johnny, Johnny Wilson. Wilson. Johnny Wilson. Think, the highs were so high. Think, Dane, what do you think? I mean, Johnny's like irreplaceable, I guess. But I, I want to say one of the offensive linemen. Um, Pick one. Uh, I, oh, Rob Scott, maybe. I mean, just being your left tackle, but he also did miss some time. And then your your tackle depth gets struck, and you're down to Jazz or Darius. And, yeah, I feel like stuff kind of fell apart then. Who was it that uh, in the Wake Forest game went out? and Rob Scott. Rob was Scott. Out okay, and Darius yeah. struggled at left tackle that game and rebounded. At other All right, places. I'll go Rob Scott then. Just to be yeah, that was a rough game too. Wake Forest, man, you just got abused with that wide nine. All right, so we're thinking Johnny Wilson – Anybody else want to say anybody else? I think my he's kind of he's he's Show leading right now. Love. Yeah, he was good. He was good. MVP. He was good. MVP. MVP. Let's just I mean, shout I mean, random names. How, how the, are we giving the out an offensive MVP that's not Jordan Travis? I mean, Coach because Paul, it's my rules, and I don't want to say the same thing over and over again. This is called running an entertainment program. Anyway, I mute him. Mute him for five seconds. Okay. Yeah, obviously, Jordan Travis. Thank you, Brett, for interjecting some maturity into here. What well, would you like to say? I was just going to say Benson for that five-game span when Ward was out and the way he was able to kind of put the offense on his back at times and just ice those games that were blowouts. I mean, he made those games blowouts by just throwing people off of him. So, yeah. And that's a good point. There was a time where we thought we were kind of questioning the – there were some games where Trey Benson, we didn't know if he could run as hard as he wanted to. Those five-game stretch, nasty. Kevin, go ahead. It seems like you would like to say something. This team, with a lot of similar pieces, lost to Jacksonville State because they didn't have a receiver that could take the top off the defense. 
so the defense could stack the box and make sure they couldn't run. I don't care who Trey Benson is. If there's eight, <laughs> nine people in the box, they're not winning that football game. Johnny Wilson is the MVP because he is the guy that took the top off the defense and made life easier for Trey Benson. It, Just it, rip that top argument. off. Breaks eight to nine tackles a play. No love for Pokey. Yeah, so, Breaks eight so, nine tackles a play. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I would hate. I, I got a point here for you guys. So okay, have, Brennan, go ahead because this have, is a terrible have, group discussion. Was a terrible idea. <laughs> Who thought of this? You. <laughs> uh, Trey Benson was fantastic during that five game stretch for sure. A lot of those were blowouts. Johnny Wilson's biggest moments came in really important games. Louisville, LSU, he was really good in. Uh, and then obviously Oklahoma. So I, I think if there's a, a coin flip between those two, the guy who played his best in pretty profound moments, I, I think you the, the tie goes to Johnny Wilson for me. I would agree. But to Brett's point, a lot of those games were blowouts because of Trey Benson. So he obviously contributed to that. Okay, I'm going to make this a little bit more structured from here on out. Defensive MVP Chris Knee, who is your pick? You are venerable. Your pick will be the group pick. Defensive MVP. I mean, I think I lean towards Jared Verse. Kev's probably going to say Fabian Lovett, and I don't disagree with that take. Being they were seven and zero with him in the lineup, but I think Verse was the most impactful player. Therefore, I'll go with him as the MVP. Oh, Jamie Robinson. Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get. Oh my goodness. We'll Everyone's just picking guys who are on. Team box checkers and not team landing stickers. And I call shenanigans. <laughs> I, I love Jamie, but bad I, the, I need the pass rush is. before I worry about the back end. That's right. Good That's show. right. Everybody's worried about. Okay. Anyway, Kevin, do you agree? Are you going with verse? Is is Christy have you pegged? Oh God. I, um, back end. Um. Anyway, argument. are you going, going Fabian. Fabian? Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we've got a battle. Verse versus love it. Anybody who all who all says verse, raise your hand. Christney and Brennan, two. Who says love it? Two. Okay. Who's who's the third? Jamie? Jamie Robinson. Jamie Robinson. Jamie Robinson. Three. Jamie wins. Boom. <laughs> I, I do think that he was a guy. Man, he I, I really wish we could have had our corner play like short up a little bit more because I didn't really I didn't think we got to unlock the the Jamie Robinson experience till a little bit later in the year, but I think that that's a great pick, and he's the consensus pick now by one vote. Jamie Robinson, the defensive MVP, rookie of the year. Who really stood out to you guys as the rookie of the year? Probably got to be Patrick Payton, who was the actual ACC defensive rookie of the year, right? I think that's probably the the layup. Easy, easy layup. Is somebody going to shout a random name? You going to shout Pokey again or something? Anybody can shout anything random? He said Pokey Wilson was the offensive MVP. Pat Payton. Okay, we'll go. That's all. Just a love. I mean, rookie's a weird thing in the portal era because Johnny Wilson was a rookie for FSU. So yeah, but not in the not in college football. I'm with you. I don't know. I didn't come up with these categories, but I would say we have a newcomer or a transfer MVP coming up next. Oh, we do have that thank you i was just, I just like skipping ahead mental. yes yes you do <laughs> top transfer on offense <laughs> gotta be the offensive mvp right boys pokey wilson <laughs> johnny wilson offensive transfer before adam finds out where brendan lives and power bombs him through a table <laughs> defensive transfer of the year jared verse jared verse Jared Verse. But Thun was pretty important because of the yeah. fact that the ah. linebacker really stunk and he elevated it so much. He had too many games he couldn't tackle, though, with that shoulder. It yeah, was, and, yeah. and now there's that concern. I, I, think, I think he might have been your answer if he could have tackled for all for every season. game. Yeah, I'm with you. He's in the right gap. 
compared to the person that would have come in if he weren't here. All right. Anyway, God, you guys just can't stop yourselves. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. Ron this Dugans, is interesting. Baby. Ron Dugans. Ron Dugans. Ron Dugans. Okay, right. every every has to have a chant on every single episode of OTB. Okay, Ron Dugans is very popular. And I would say when you look at all of the taking a unit that was worse to really, really good in combination with the elite high school recruiting, big factor in Hakeem Williams. I think when you're looking at each one of these guys, coach of the year, Ron Dugans. Is he our Knowles 24-7 coach of the year? A coach that many people were trying to trying to take the wheels off the donk and throw him out of Tallahassee. Is he our coach of the year? Is I'd go Alex Atkins. <laughs> Alex Atkins. Okay. I think he can make a Papuchas argument, too. Adam Fuller. Okay. Tony, to- ooh, Tony Tokars. Ooh, uh, Fuller. Interesting. Just to be now spicy. Just, I think there's five more on the staff. Let's say them all. Ron Dugans wins coach of the year assistant. What? I like that we broke Trey. What? <laughs> he just he had three, and then you guys just said, well, what about Kiwan Ratliff? Or let's just say everybody's name on the staff. Unsung hero. Let's talk about unsung hero. Anybody who really didn't get the credit that we think that they deserve that was integral okay, to the success. I, that is. That is. Wait, wait, Chris. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I think it is Pokey. He was super reliable when they had to have it. He usually did it. He consistently had some big catches. And he kind of did it his whole career. And I think he just, to some degree, got underappreciated for what he was. The great thing about Pokey is Pokey was never number one. They went and got number ones. Pokey was allowed to be what he is, and I think it made him a better, more reliable player this year for them. Adam, wax poetic. I mean, look at the bowl game. They needed plays. They had to go to Pokey. All this Johnny Wilson hype. And I wasn't he had, actually he had 200 like, yards. I mean, I don't know about that. Um, but let's... was on Johnny Wilson. I mean, Pokey put that put them the on his back there early, and he did it more than once. Look at LSU. I mean, the man just he just made big plays for them this year, time and time again in the passing game. You know who when made big plays when they needed deep shot touchdowns? You know who made Pokey. big plays when they needed deep shot touchdowns? Johnny Wilson. He's been. Dump- I mean, oh, Tate wrote a maker Heisman the, picture. I don't understand the dumping on Pokey here. I don't no one's we're not dumping on, on it. We're dumping on the argument that he was we're the guy. Dumping that- on you. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> he was what? <laughs> All I did was just try to give the guy a little love. And we were. It was, was going to come. There's other topics that we would have been more appropriate for. Like Africa. this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Ontario Wilson. I'd say a guy that maybe. Who else was an unsung hero? Maybe like I was thinking, maybe Loki, like a greedy Vance. I thought that he, man, not uh, he was sung at the beginning of the season, but it was a bad song. Bad People song. were saying not good things. It was a bad song. Um, he ended up playing a lot better. Dane, what do you think? Who's your unsung hero? Oh, a lot of disrespect for Micah Pittman, who did show up all the time in special teams, very tough catches, and some good runs on the goal line. That's a great answer from the comment section. Dane, what do you think? Yeah, I was thinking uh, oh, Biscuit's kind of interesting, too. He kind of was your um, best tight end option a lot of times this year. Um, but I was going to say Renardo Green. He, I think he's one of the more valuable players on, on the defense side of the ball throughout Let's the year. Let's go, Dane. Let's go. Yeah, yes. He was one of the only guys not mentioned for that MVP. So. I Dane think that he should be mentioned. Yeah, that's wonderful. Anyway, I think that's a great answer. I'm going to give it to Pokey Wilson because we were just – 
we were just having a little bit of fun. Kid had a phenomenal year. What a way to go out. Seminole people are going to remember for a long time. A player that we're all buying stock in for 2023. I think Dane took my answer. I'm taking Renardo Green, man. I was very, very impressed with him. I think a lot of the pressure is going to be taken off of him because Fintrell Du Cypress from UVA is coming in. And I think that Florida State is going to have they're going to that DB room is going to be the wide receiver room from last year. They're going to go from a detriment to a strength of the team. It's going to be hard not to with how much like players are going to be running for their lives next year with that defensive line. But I'm with you, Dane. I am buying stock and big time Renardo stock next year. I love the way that kid plays very physical. Um, Adam, what about you? Who are you buying stock in for next year? Uh, Ayo Tafasi. Good call. I like Good that. stock. Buy low, buy low. I like that. Kid is a monster. Anybody else? Anybody else buying stock? Josh buying Farmer. stock. Go on once. Josh Farmer. That's a good one. That's another Farmer good answer. Lions. Mm. I, I, Rodney I, Hill. I, oh, that's with one. Ward going out. Yeah, I think obviously, I think a lot of that reason that move happens is just because of how comfortable the coaching staff is with Rodney Hill, who did get the flash when he played, and he's going to have a huge step up next year. I like Zach and Dane's answers those younger defensive tackles who are probably thrust into more action than the coaching staff would have liked this year. That's only going to benefit them in the long run with another, uh, with another year under coach beard. I'm, I'm trying to copy your swag. there, stormy Josh storms. Um, God, that's a, that is a, that's a nasty rotation. Winston, Wright, Austin Owens in the YouTube comments section, buying low on Winston, Wright. That is a great buy. That is a great buy. Anybody else that we're buying low on before we start talking about big-time expectations for next year? Brett, go ahead. You are so polite during these. You're wonderful. Shaheem Brown. I think Shaheem Brown. I'm with you there, man. You want to talk about like we're looking for Jamie Robinson replacements in the portal? Could have him on the team, man. Another year of strength and conditioning. Everybody's pointing up like I don't see that Kevin wants to talk. Another polite gentleman. Kevin, what's your answer? You're on mute. That was fantastic. <laughs> so excited. All of the pointing that happened. Brendan Gant. Ah, oh, we love Brendan Gant. That's another unsung hero category, but he was so much fun to watch play that we started singing about him in the end. Dart Wick from Tim YouTube says maybe nickel. Travis J. He played Travis one year J. of linebacker, and he looked pretty darn good at it. Give him I like him at linebacker. I like him at linebacker, man. That's some good athleticism there. He's still the human cruise missile. We'll still shoot past people sometimes. But, dude, I love the enthusiasm. So I, I like all your answers. I think that you're good. Let's talk big picture. Chris, we've been at the beginning stages of the climb, right? And it's all been progress, incremental growth. Get Go from three to five. Go from five to seven. We went to ten. We had a nice little step up. Florida State is the best transfer portal recruiting team in the entire country, and I don't really think it's even that close with the type and the talent that they are getting, locking up quick and getting them in. That leads to a jump in expectations. What are yours? What are reasonable expectations for this team with the way that they've loaded in the transfer portal, with the way that the battle's in has retained everyone, with the culture that Mike Norvell has brought, with an opportunity to maybe upgrade some of that coaching staff that did win 10 games next this year? What are you expecting for next year? Competing for an ACC title, and if you get to that point, then the next step isn't all that big in the reality of it. If you think about it, Mike Norvell, I think it was after the Florida game, he started talking about bigger picture items, like national picture items. He had never done that. 
to my knowledge. I don't recall a single time he had done that no, in his time so. here. He started doing it after Florida. He did it again after the bowl. It is clear cut. That is where he believes the program is and where it's going. And we've said many times, we've written it. We've talked about it a bunch in the last 40 days now. The way they've gone about going after the portal here and the retention of current players, they are pushing the chips in. It is about 23 for them, and they're going to go all in it. They have the quarterback that they need. They got at Brendan Sinone's carried water for, for years as far as come through and become the dude. They've got an ace running back. The O-line has been fixed. They improved the tight end room. We know they got receivers. The D-line is damn good. Linebackers have improved, and we believe the secondary t- will take a next step. Feels pretty good, does it not? Feels good, man. I agree. Succinctly put, Brendan, do we agree? Are you ACC championship appearance or, or, or failure? I don't know if it's a – yeah, it'd be disappointing, I think, because you're probably – you're two years ahead of where you – you reasonably thought you would be sorry chris is that a turner group mug that you're drinking out of it sure is brought to you by the turner group let's go sponsorship uh yeah i i think that that's probably like what chris is aiming for is super reasonable at this point and i've tried to say that it's like optimistic but i don't know what it is it's just realistic at this point so if you fall short of it yeah man i guess it is a, a tad disappointing uh, why wouldn't you be able to compete for the ACC championship or at least play in it at this point? You you should be pretty loaded next year. And with the way that the conference is shaping up with some of the guys leaving as well, it sets up pretty nice for you. Who wanted to say something? Somebody you want to say something. something. Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, there's only one hole in this roster that I see so far, and it's replacing Jamie Robinson. Um, I think he did so much for you that I think you're going to have some decent safeties, but – there's 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 no one that's going to replace Jamie Robinson. So every every other group has to take a step up if you want overall your defense to kind of get better because you have to replace that guy. Adam Chip West Brown, what is Florida State's biggest potential pitfall to not getting to the ACC championship next year? Not something that you necessarily think is going to happen, but what's something you think that could happen that you know they could still have some time to shore up? Somebody I, says kicker in the comments section. Not a, when you're good, close games I, matter. I think I want to say this politely. I think it is the <laughs> you. I think it's the philosophy of the defense. I, I okay, elaborate. The biggest pitfall. I think they're going to need to be more aggressive defensively next year. I think they're going to need to take more risks, knowing they've got an offense that can put up forty a game. I think they're going to need to. I think they're going to need to look at what they're trying to do and be more complimentary to letting that offense score points. I, I agree with that, and I think next year will be indicative of like what's the defensive philosophy that Adam Fuller wants. Has he been playing a little bit more safe with the too high just because of the, of the personnel that he's had protecting the corners who had a rough year? Or is that the way that he wants to play from now on? Not necessarily the way he wanted to play at Memphis. I was a guy at Memphis, very aggressive, you know, um, doing things post-snap that he showed differently pre-snap, a very interesting defensive coordinator. Next year with a lot of the pieces that we're going to see, we're going to see the type of defense that Adam Fuller really wants to run at Florida State. Dane, what do you think? What are some things that could get in Florida State's way of achieving their ultimate goal of just ripping, ripping that ACC away from that dork Wuhan Dabo? Um, gosh, I mean, if, if like development – and the defensive backfield doesn't really improve, but I feel like uh, that's probably kind of going to improve with the coaching change there. I mean, obviously, like injuries, but I, that's probably good without saying. 
Um, I don't know. It's such a complete team. It's hard to say. Right, right. And don't and don't don't grasp at straws. I mean, like I said, I think that that's good. That it's. I mean, whereas these past five years, it was. I would have to get you guys to shut up to start talking about the things that were it's like inadequate about FSU's football team. Not the same, Brett. Do you agree? Are you expecting a? Are you expecting a Charlotte appearance next year? Yes, I just I was gonna say kicker for the one hole. That was my answer. What are they doing to address kicker right now? Who's the kicker for next year? Is it is it Fitzsimmons? Does he have another year? I love that you call him Fitzsimmons. He always Simmons. be. It's a it's a it's a it's a term of endearment for me. At this point, I, I know nothing of them pursuing a kicker for next year. They obviously landed one for twenty four, but they have kind of consistently laid their faith in Fitzgerald, and I don't expect them to divert from that. Truthfully, Zach. ACC championship next year? Could special teams be the pitfall, or are we just, nah, man, it's ours. Welcome welcome to the Norvell show, baby. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of going for the low-hanging fruit, but uh, Jordan Travis's health, I think, um, you know, behind him, can you trust the other guys in that room to go win you enough games to, to be an ACC title contender? I don't know, right? Um, yeah. You're going to bring Brock into the pro- Brock Len into the program, um, tomorrow, actually, he'll he'll enroll. Um, you'll have AJ Duffy and Tate, obviously, um, already on the roster. Um, so you got to get one of those guys to be to be ready um, to back up Jordan Travis in case any anything happens. Obviously, Florida State kind of um, lucked out this season, which they hadn't had that luxury in years past with Jordan. Um, you saw him kind of not take as many risks running the ball. Um, so maybe that's a, a philosophy that they they want to continue next season. Um, that is such a threat to to a defense, right? So you want to have that ability to to um, you know be able to run the ball with Jordan Travis and and provide that threat to a defense in a game. So yeah, I think uh, securing up that that second third string of the quarterback position is going to be huge um, if you want you want to ensure a, a title uh, ACC title berth. Well, we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking about big things next year. Guys, for accountability's sake, let's talk about all the big things. Yeah, Kevin goes, we got a backup all right. He's not worried about fourth-year Tate. Kevin, can you pull up our wind shares of what we thought this year just to see how off we all were? <laughs> I didn't even pull up that Tate picture. Someone else did that for us. That was, yeah, I know. Just a Freudian slip there. I think we all, as, as a team, we did for our wind shares, which we did way back for accountability's sake, guys. As a team, we averaged 7.01 total win share. So we were thinking 7-5 and five, right on the money. Um, look at that. Let's see who is Mr. Positive. Zach, of all, of all people, with that voice tone and that pessimism, at 7.5, seven, at seven he was by far the leader I in the clubhouse. I thought I was the most pessimistic. No, dude, you blew us out. Brett was next. Oh. He was next most positive. Kevin was positive. I was middle positive. Who is next? Chris Knee, that big old lump of ground. He's a liar. He was fairly positive. Brendan going into negative town. And then Adam Brown, our negative. He probably didn't think Pokey was going to get as much burn as he did. He did. <laughs> and that's what got us that extra 3.25. 6.65 wind shares for Adam. The rest of us were hovering around 7. Zach did 7.5. Collected, we were 7 and 5. So go ahead, guys. Feel free to roast us if you want to roast us now when we do our win shares. That's totally fine because we're going to do them again and we're going to let it know what we're going to let you know if we were right or wrong. 
And somebody that is going to be announcing their win shares for Knowles 24-7 for years to come, I believe. I think we held out on you. I think we got a little scoop, a little scoop to drop. Zach, do you have some some personal scoop that you'd like to drop here for our for our loyal listeners and viewers? Yeah, thank you for the intro, Trey. Um, some personal scoop I um, wanted to share with you guys, and I'm excited to announce that I've signed a multi-year extension with 24-7 Sports to keep me at Knowles 24-7 for the next few years. I want to thank 247 for getting the deal done so quickly and super stoked to get to work with uh, with the two, two, or Knowles 247 fam for the foreseeable future. Love these guys. Um, love what we've done this year especially and excited to get to work. Where, where's the on three hat? The you know, the rivals. Oh, hat? we didn't do the th- oh, we didn't uh, do the, the thing. What the hell? <laughs> Maybe we'll get an edit. Brendan can just cut all this out. We'll just yeah. do an edit. We can make a nice little decision. Taking his Where's talents to nowhere else, out. guys. Knowles twenty four seven is locked in for next year. Mike Norvell is locked in for next year. The Knowles are locked in for next year. Twenty twenty two. Listen, we expect big things in the future. But I'm going to Cancun for a wedding on Thursday for a couple with a, for a couple days with a whole bunch of degenerate Knoll fans that I went to college with. Brother, we're going to be soaking in this 2022 season, and I highly suggest that you guys do too. They don't come around all that often, man. Cherish them just like we did, like we cherish you for being Knoll's 24-7 subscribers, listeners, and viewers for my best friends in the entire FSU beat world for Adam Brown, Chip West, for Brendan Sinone, for Kevin Little, for Zach Blostein, for Chris Knee, for Brett Nevitt, and for Dane Draper. I am Trey Roland. We love you. We will be here all offseason. And, man, we climbing, baby. Keep chopping on, and we will see you later. Thank you. Good night. You got in the live stream after I do that, man. That's just, 